Um, well, I'm very excited. Uh, hopefully, uh, anybody else need a packet? Anybody else get it in the South Maker's pocket? Yeah, well, hopefully you got your packet last uh, Friday, so you were able to uh, look through it a little bit and kind of feel out what we're going to be doing. Um, and uh, this is a daunting task uh, to try to cover in, you know, roughly 40-minute sessions, uh, this idea of how do we really bring the gospel uh, to the world. Uh, and I certainly am not up for the task, and so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. It's awesome to uh, to worship together on a, on, a, on a cold night. It warms our hearts just to sing uh, praises to you. We can get caught up in so many things, God. Uh, and I just think it's so wonderful to, to lose ourselves, God, in our relationship with you at times. And just to realize all is well. We're safe and secure uh, in your hands, God. And thank you for uh, reminding us of that as we worship, as we fellowship, God, that, that we're not alone. No matter what we may be going through this week. And I pray, God, that as we dive into Disciple Makers tonight, that we can continue to share this message with other people. That we really learn how to be more effective and loving and caring and thoughtful and like Jesus in our approach to sharing the gospel with our friends, neighbors, co-workers, family, and whoever else is willing to listen, God. Please be with us tonight. Guide us in our discussion and our our search here for uh, greater clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, you know, our task, uh, as the Bible says, is to go um, and make disciples, right, uh, you know, of, of all nations. And so this course, Disciple Makers uh, class, is all about a tool, uh, you know, a help um, in that endeavor, in that great call, in that great task. Um, and, uh, and so I do take that uh, very seriously. It is, it is the reason... I decided in my family to, to, to leave Sydney, Australia, warm Sydney, Australia, to come to, to Birmingham, England. And so I, I, I take that, that call very serious in my life, and I know uh, as a church, uh, that's where I learned it. I learned it from the church, that, that the church takes that task very serious uh, as well. And so I know you, you are excited. You, you're excited to learn about this and grow in it as well. Uh, and hopefully tonight will be a great kind of overview of what we're going to be doing and how it's going to happen. Um, and so... Tonight, if you, uh, if, if you look at your, uh, your booklet, um, if you open it up there, we're just going to focus on the first two pages tonight. Um, the kids are excited about the sound maker, so am I. Um, <laughs> the first two pages tonight, we're going we're gonna to dive into. Um, and so you, it's blank, as you can see. It's not a, it's not a typo. Um, that's so you can take notes tonight on, on, on these two topics of conversion, which we're going to talk about, um, and also the purposeful questions. Um, here in a moment. So, how many of you? How many of you can, can close your eyes right now with me and recite Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty, the Great Commission? If you can do it, close your eyes. It's on the board. It's a little cheap, cheating for you. You know what does Jesus say? He says, "Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you." And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's almost like we just said the Lord's Prayer together, you know. It's, we know it, right? We, we know that passage, right? This is a daunting task. What's interesting, if you go back to verse 16, it actually says there that the eleven came to him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Interesting, the number 12 is the number of perfection in the Bible. At this point, it's 11. <laughs> Something imperfect there. We all know, you know, what that is. We know the story of Judas. But and they worship him. Oh, he's resurrected from the dead. They should be doing that. But still, some are doubting. But you know what? None of that mattered as we look two thousand years later in history because it was all about Jesus at that point. It wasn't really about them. And Jesus, in His authority, calls them to go. If you're looking for a packet, there's a few up here. If you need a packet, still, there's a few packets left. Take one if you need one. Uh, Jesus and his authority tells them to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in his name and teach them to obey everything. So it's really all about him in the end. But we know today it's not just all about him because he's chosen to do this through us. And that is the challenge is that are we, are we up to the task 
a miraculous name for God to take someone who's lost and to bring them to uh, a saving relationship with Him. Uh, in, in a couple of scriptures here in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4, we'll look at uh, along these lines. This is very uh, interesting. First, look at the, the before picture, right? The before picture, where someone is before uh, they are converted to Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, Paul says, As for you, he's talking to the church, he's referring to their past life, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and that the ruler of the kingdom of the air, we mentioned uh, Satan, right? That's another reference to him uh, on Sunday. Uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So here the, you know, it says we're dead in our transgressions and sins before we are converted. We're following, ultimately, Satan here. We identified you know, the, the, this phrase Sunday as, as a reference to Satan. We're, we're gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Following his desires, it's, it sounds like a wild animal, right? And like the rest, deserving of God's wrath. It's not a pretty picture, is it? Over in Ephesians 4, again, Paul makes another uh, recollection of where they were before they came to know Christ. And now he refers more to the Gentiles. It says in Ephesians 4, 17, and we're just looking at two of these passages. You can write down these other ones and look at them later. We're just going to look at Ephesians 2 and 4 for this idea. Uh, but here in Ephesians 4, 17, it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Verse 19, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So this is, this is just as ugly, right? You know, they're, they're, they're stuck in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separate from the life of God, ignorant due to the hardening of their hearts, given over to sensuality, indulging in all kinds of impurity, full of greed. It's just, it's a terrible picture. It's a terrible picture uh, that, that the Bible gives us before someone is brought to a saving relationship with Christ. And it's, it's funny, at any time at this point, Said, you know, people's baptisms, you know, they're still actually spiritually in this state. But we stand up and say, oh, man, you're so awesome. I appreciate this about you, and I, and I appreciate this, that about you. And, you know, you've really changed in this way. And, hey, man, that is repentance, and we can see the fruit, and that's not a bad thing. But if we actually just thought about what the Bible just said about where they're at, we would, we would be shocked. We would be horrified. We would be scared. We would be like, could you just get in the water and get baptized? This is a terrible state to be in. What are we waiting around for? No more encouragement. Get in the water. I mean, that's where we would be going if we really saw this spiritual reality before someone truly is turned to Christ. And that's just what the Bible says. That's just what the Bible says. Of course, the good news is when, because of the grace of God, because of His goodness, His mercy, His love poured out to us through the cross of Christ, of course, we, we don't have to stay there. We can be changed and you go back to Ephesians 2. It says, But, verse 4, Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Again, uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 22, He says, You were taught, I'm sorry, verse 20, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so it's, it's a remarkable, miraculous change that occurs when someone is converted to Christ. And we can never lose sight of that, I think, as we, we go out and share our faith and as we go out and try to make disciples that, that it's something very supernatural that is occurring when someone who is lost becomes saved in Christ. And so it is, again, as I said, because of that, also a daunting task. Um, and so how, how, how is it going to be possible that someone can be dead in sin, an object of wrath, uh, all these things we just read in Ephesians 2 and 4, 
2 Corinthians 4 says they, they cannot even see the light of the gospel. There's a veil. There's a veil in front of them. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a really sad picture. Well, how, how are we going to take them from that, that, that before picture to the after picture? Well, what we're going to do, oftentimes we think, is we're going we're gonna to plug in a bunch of scriptures. And once we insert all these scriptures in our disciple maker's packet, boom, they're just going to change. That's what we can think a lot of times. Well, we're just gonna we're just gonna get them around the Christians because the Christians are they're so loving, they're so like Jesus, and they're gonna get around us. They're gonna go, oh my goodness, I need to become a Christian because I need to be like you. We can think we can think things like that. I've thought things like this, but in, but in reality, without the power of God, these things are not gonna happen. Yes, God can use the Word of God as we use it correctly. Yes, God can use the church, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, but we've got to remember really where the power comes from. And this is where uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is so vital. The Holy Spirit works on an unbeliever to take them from this before picture uh, to, to this after picture through what we, we can see as faith and repentance uh, and, you know, and baptism uh, working uh, in their particular life. Um, and so why do I say that? Well, if you turn to John 16, we actually have Jesus himself. Uh, making this very profound statement about the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, because we oftentimes associate the Holy Spirit, of course, with, uh, with, with, with believers, with Christians, with the church. And that is true, of course, uh, you know, a Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. That's how close God wants to be with us. He's inside of us as Christians, and that's such an encouraging thing, it's such a powerful thing. And may we keep in step with the Spirit. Amen, church? Uh, but in John 16... Jesus is here at the last supper with his disciples, and, and he's telling them he's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to leave. And they're, they're, as they should be, freaking out about that. And Jesus says in John 16, he says in verse 7, Very truly I tell you, it is, it is for your good that I am going away. Which again doesn't, doesn't make sense to them, and, and even us when we first read it. But this is why. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who is the advocate? Well, if you go to uh, John 14 and John 16, you'll see advocate, comma, Holy Spirit. It, it's the Holy Spirit. The advocate is the one who, who pleads and supports someone in need. And so the Holy Spirit is described in that way here um, in the Greek language. It's one of the many descriptions uh, we get of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a personality. It's not a, it's not a mysterious being. It's, it, it, it's a person. Uh, with a personality as described in the scriptures. And one of those things is it's, it's our advocate. I'm sorry, he, not it, is our advocate. Um, and, so, and so the Holy Spirit will come and he goes on to say what it will do. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong. I think the old NIV said he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father. Where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Um, and so, so what Jesus goes on on to describe here is the way that the Holy Spirit will not not just work on the church, but here specifically, what does He say the Holy Spirit will work on? The world. So it, it's every human being, every human being. The Holy Spirit's going to convict. Gonna, gonna, gonna have, you know, as the new NIV says, it's gonna help them to, uh, it's gonna prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so back to that, that that chart we were looking at earlier, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, convicts an unbeliever. So, so we we get so worried about, you know, approaching someone the right way at the right time at the right moment as we go to share our faith and we get worried then about how we do it and what we say and I do that too you know with my neighbors and we, we start doing that spiritual dance like how do I say it how do, how do I get in there and get, get the gospel to them and we start freaking out but the thing is the Holy Spirit is already working on that according to this passage the Holy Spirit is already trying to convict them of their sin of righteousness right living and of judgment so we just need to calm down uh, first of all, this passage to me is very encouraging when I think about going out and making disciples, that, that God's already ahead of us. He's one step ahead of us. He doesn't need to attend or graduate from our disciple makers class. Uh, he's quite qualified through the Holy Spirit uh, to get people there. So, so some of the disciple makers, I, I want to help us to actually not get so, so, so focused on ourselves. Because I think that's the real danger 
as we share our faith, we get too focused on ourselves. Um, and then, you know, someone becomes a Christian, and we go, did you see that? <laughs> see, see, I was in the water with them, you know? And, 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 and did you hear what I shared about, about them? Because I, I, I met them on the street, and, you know, they was hurt. And, and, and that's a very dangerous thing, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, the glory is going to us. But really, it was the Holy Spirit working on that person all along. Yeah, and perhaps the Holy Spirit worked through us, uh, you know, and sometimes in spite of us, I, I, I dare say, but, but we've we got to really make sure we understand where the power really comes from. Because for someone to be in the state that we just read about in Ephesians 2 and 4, only the power of God can change that. Only the power of God can change that. Um, and so I think it's really important as we approach this and, and look at the Scriptures and study things to not, to not, to not you know, underestimate our abilities, but really especially to not overestimate them, I think. Uh, a lot of times we do. We do just that when it comes to helping people uh, to be converted uh, in Christ. Um, and Amen, I do, I do want to say, and maybe this uh, is a good time for participation, you know, how, how would the Holy Spirit convict people about their sin through the church? What are some ways you think the Holy Spirit did that? Maybe even from your own. When you, when you were becoming a Christian, how did the Holy Spirit use the church to convict you about your own sin? What are some ways that that happened? From personal experience. So, Christians confessing their sin to you. Yeah, I remember the first time someone did that to me. How powerful that was, yeah. Whoa, wait a second. Yeah, when uh, I had the first uh, sermon. Just hearing a sermon? Um, yeah, she was talking about me. You thought he wrote the sermon about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
Let's just jump on into it. So, so, so once this occurs, the Holy Spirit really convicts somebody. That's when the metanoia comes, which is in the error. That's that's the, the Greek word for repentance. That's when the the after mindset, the shift of mindset occurs. And once once that occurs, you know it's easy for someone to become a Christian. They'll become a Christian very quickly, and that can occur very fast. The longest conversion in the New Testament is three days. Uh, that's the Apostle Paul's right. Um, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn out process, but it gets very long. The metanoia doesn't come because people fight. And they fight God ultimately. Um, but of course, once it comes, that person, you know, they gets baptized in the water. Uh, they now have forgiveness of their sins, the Holy Spirit, and they're added to God's church. And so we'll look, of course, at this process um, and how to use the Bible studies to get someone through this process. That's one of the things we'll do as we jump through uh, disciple makers. And so, so I really just want to reemphasize, you know, that conversion is it's a miraculous, amazing thing that God works through the Holy Spirit ultimately. It's not, it's not about us really. And, and we've got to be careful not to think this way is better than that way, and this approach is better than that approach. But really, you know, God can use many things in many ways to bring about repentance and to bring about the conversion of people's lives. And we could we could spend all night talking about the different things that helped us. And I think it would be very, you know, very diverse, very different. Uh, from beginning to end, and that's what's so encouraging that the Holy Spirit is working. We don't need to stress out uh, and focus too much on ourselves, but we do want to learn uh, as best we can to not get in the way of the Holy Spirit. We do want to work as best we can not to stop the Holy Spirit by our poor example, uh, by our poor ability uh, to talk to people about, about the gospel, and of course, disciple makers will equip us uh, to do just that as well. Uh, and so, conversion, hopefully, that's kind of a, uh, an encouragement and an inspiration that. that the Holy Spirit is working, you know, and, and let's continue to let Him work in our lives and our Bible studies. Uh, we're going to see many people become Christians. But of course, the other page here, the other part of this, uh, and this is a big part of disciple makers, is this idea of purposeful questions. Um, you know, as we study the Bible with people, really what we should be doing is just kind of guiding them through a biblical journey. But a lot of times, what we are tempted to do is just preach at them. But if you think about, um, if you think about, you know. How people learn, uh, and studies have been done on this, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. specifically, when, when people are trying to, you know, sell people on political viewpoints. They found that over time, what really is effective in these American studies on political viewpoints, and Trump must have figured this out, um, is is, uh, is it's better to to talk to someone face to face and engage in a dialogue. So if I want Phil to be convinced of a viewpoint that I think is right, it's much better for me and him to talk face to face. And have a discussion about it, rather than me just tell him what he should think. And think about, you know, just you as a person, you, you, you don't just want to be told what to think, you want to understand it yourself. So purposeful questions are, are a great way to, to guide people through a journey with the Bible, rather than just tell people what they ought to believe um, about Christianity. And so it reminds us of, of the power of questions. Um, how many questions, does anybody know the answer, how many questions did Jesus Ask in the Gospels. How many questions did he ask? Anybody know? Three. He answered three questions. How many questions did he ask? Three hundred and seven. 
is actually, I think about 307 questions Jesus asked. So Jesus asked a lot of questions. We only answered three. He was a bad man. Anyways, um, <laughs> love Jesus. Um, but we need, to, we need to think about the power of questions. And these are some great questions for us. How do you ask someone to study the Bible? What's, what's the best approach? What's the best way to do that? How do, how do you set that up? You know, because that's, we've got to get that in the Bible, right? To really share the truth of the gospel. You know, how do you, how do you begin a Bible study? Where, where do you start? Where do you start? You know, when you sit down and want to study the Bible study once you've gotten that far. Uh, and then lastly, um, you know, do you know why you are studying the topic that you suggested? Do you, do you have an aim? Do you have a goal? Do you have a reason? We're going to sit down and study out the Word of God. Why are you doing that? Because that's the first one that I was taught when I was a new Christian. Okay, well, that, that may be the right decision, but, but maybe something else would be more appropriate for where that person's at. So we'll talk a little bit about how to assess that. And the personal question worksheets, which if you turn to the next page, they're laid beside each study. And those personal question worksheets are actually a tool to train yourself to think that way. I, you don't have to do one of these every time you do a Bible study with somebody beforehand, but you could. And if you did, you would think through a lot of these things and maybe be much more effective at the time that you have uh, with that particular person. But those are just some good questions that we should be asking ourselves as we are studying the Bible with people um, in general. And it's just as a great reminder, as I said, of the power of asking questions. Jesus was a big believer, and we should be too as Christians. Amen. Um, so some dudes in this, I think, that kind of answer some of these questions. Um, that I think are important to grasp. Uh, you know, the first is you know find out about their current relationship with God or lack thereof. What, what's their background? Uh, do they have spiritual ambition and goals right now, and that's why they're sitting down with you? Uh, ask for permission to share your faith with them. Let's not let's not assume that they that they really want to know what we believe. Let's let's ask them if they if they would allow us to share that with them. Um, uh, and, and, and disclose and make it clear that, that if we're going to study the Bible together, it's not just going to be to have a nice little fireside, cozy chat about religion, but I want to really share with you my life and doctrine. I want to really ask you about yours. And I want to be up front and let you know that, you know, it may challenge you. This may, this may be, this may be, you know, different than what you've heard. We're not, so we're not, we're not trying to trick anybody here. We're, we're, we're not using deception here. We're, we're going to be straightforward before we even sit down with someone. And really share the scriptures with them. I think that's very important. And of course, you know, the opposite of that, um, you know, the don'ts uh, here is, you know, don't ever employ bait and switch tactics. You know, don't try to, you know, sneakily get in there. Next thing you know, they're in a Bible study and they had no idea that's what they were going to be doing with us. Uh, my neighbor, Mark, was coming to men's night and asked, told him, I said, well, it's a bunch of my, a lot of the guys that are from my church. And hey, by the way, at the end, I'll be able to man charge from the Bible. I just want to let them know that. So he didn't just think he was going to a pub, drink beer, and hang out and have fun. You know, that would never be more to it. Um, I didn't want to surprise him in that way. Uh, at any time, does it suggest bringing a study series with you, like Shining Like Stars, or even like your Disciple Maker's Notebook? Uh, he has different reasons why he thinks that's not the smartest way to do it. It's kind of like, you know, getting the answers or reading the last page of the, of the novel, you know, because um, I don't really want to look at all that, rather than the scriptures you're trying to focus on in that study. Uh, and again, you know, no surprises. Can I bring in some other Christians along, you know, with me in the study? You know, that's a good thing to ask, um, uh, especially if you approach the sin study, right? Uh, you know, things like that. Um, I do see, uh, you know, uh, people taking pictures of the slides, and you're welcome to do that. Uh, the slides are going to be posted on our website, uh, BirminghamChurch.org.uk. Uh, uh, so, the, so the slides will be available through PowerPoint on the website too, just so you guys know. Um, Chris Gerber is working on that. I don't know if he's done that yet. Um, Chris, if you're in here, help with that, please, because I don't want to do it. Um, and so, yeah, again, back to what's the aim? What's the, what's the point? What's the, what's the focus? And the personal question worksheet has uh, some of those questions built, um, built into it. Um, and we've got to really think through these things. And, and these are good things to pray about. These are good things to get advice about from other Christians. Um, and, and, and they're just some, some simple pointers. But, but are we doing this, you know? And I think this will really help us to make the most of that 30, 40, 45 minute, hopefully you're not going for an hour window uh, of Bible study that we have uh, with, with our friends. Uh, I wouldn't suggest more than an hour. I think that's that's overkill. Uh, I try to, try to limit it to an hour. Scotty Wakefield helped us with that last night. He was also kind of falling asleep. I think he was all day. He was like, hey guys, it's been a while. We're probably going to wrap it up. And he was right. He was right. I, mean, I, was, I, was, I was preaching. I was going for it. You know, he, we had to stop. Uh, 
Thank you, Scott. I have as well. Um, so just think through these things. And again, these are in the purposeful question worksheet. You know, what, what are we trying to expose? What misconceptions? And what are we trying to inspire the seeker to understand biblically? That's kind of the aim, the aim, right, uh, of, of the study. Um, you know, what are we trying to achieve? It's just really important to think through that uh, before the study. Um, next up here, the pitfalls of preaching the study. As I said, it's very tempting to preach at people rather than to help people themselves understand the scriptures. Um, and, you know, the, the, the pitfalls of, of preaching the study is, is you develop a seeker who's dependent on you. For the insight and the understanding of the scriptures, um, which is always a dangerous thing, right? Uh, they miss out on the thrill of getting the Bible and really getting it for themselves. And we just tell them what they should see uh, from this passage. Uh, we can also come off very arrogant. Like we, we understand, we know. Let me you know, sit at the feet of, of, of Rabbi Forrest. You know, we you know we don't we can come off arrogant, right? You know, at that point, if, if we're teaching and preaching in only that way. Uh, and then and John says this. He says you're just lazy. It's lazy. It's easy. It's easy just to tell somebody what to think. It's a lot harder to actually help them learn how to think about something. And that's a great lesson in parenting and many other areas. Um, so we've got to really make sure we're not, we're not preaching the study. And disciple makers and the purposeful questions is designed to just to think more that way about how do I help someone understand the scriptures themselves by asking really good questions that bring out the meaning of the text and the application of the text. Um, in their particular lives, um, or wherever they are particularly at. Um, and so, you know, let's say we're studying Mark 1.17. Um, turn there real quick. Uh, you know, if we're studying Mark 1, for example, this is a, a passage we can use uh, when we're teaching discipleship. And we see Jesus calling these, these fishermen, right, to, as it says in Mark 1, verse 17, he calls these fishermen, he says, Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Uh, the old and I said, come follow me, I make fishers of men. Uh, I think when I wrote these words, I had the old NIV. Well, Peter the preacher would read this with someone and say, a fisher of men is someone who catches men for Jesus. And just let them know what they should see from this passage in a Bible study. Mark the manipulator would say, isn't it obvious that fishing for men means catching men for Jesus? What are they going to say at that point? <laughs> no, it's not. You've already set them up and manipulated them to think what you want them to think. They, Victoria, she says, you know, she went to the Simon's class and she hasn't really thought through anything, but she's in the study now and she does, she should ask them some questions. So she says, What do you think all this means? After she reads the passage. <laughs> I like that one. That's, that's a good one. That's really helpful. Um, they're probably going to look at you and say, you, you tell me. I don't know. That's why you're teaching me. Um, and then Liberty and Linda. You know, Linda, Linda, this is not Linda Francis. I, oh, I don't want to do that. I meant to not use names locally. Sorry about that. Linda's not limited. She's awesome. Uh, Tim thinks she's unlimited, by the way. Um, do you know what it means to fish for men? So you're starting to get there, but it's just, it's just still very, it's just very vague. It's very vague. Um, and so the idea of personal questions is, is, is to get more specific. To get more specific, and that's what we're going to jump into here, uh, you know, the rest of our time. As I mentioned already, you know, Jesus asked over 300 questions. Uh, he only answered three. Uh, personal questions, again, they're, they're meant to empower the seeker uh, and get them excited and confident about using the Bible. And you can see with those examples from Mark 117 how we we're, we're taking that from them a bit by not by not being more thorough and thoughtful in our approach to people. And I love that that old adage: "Give a man a fish, and he eats for a day." Teach a man to fish, and he eats for a lifetime. And we know, uh, when we have someone become a Christian, that their love for the Word of God has got to be there. Their, their hunger, their, their, their desire has got to be there. And, and that's going to be one of the most important things, right? Once they get out of the waters of baptism, that's going to be one of the most important things in their life. And we're laying the foundation in the way we study the Bible with them. And again, it doesn't mean that, you know, I get in Bible studies and I make statements. And I do a little preaching sometimes. Like I said, maybe a little too much last night. Scott helped me out with that. But uh, but but at the same time, you know, I, if that's all I'm doing, that's the only way I'm approaching people. I'm not I'm not teaching them to fish in the Word of God themselves, and I'm not really doing them a great service um, in the end. Proverbs twenty verse five is a great passage to make us think about this. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. So I'm assuming they talk about sisters would be even deeper. 
But a man of understanding draws them out. And that's what we're trying to do with this idea of personal questions. And the Bible says we're trying to ask the right questions to draw out. Draw out people's hearts uh, using uh, the Word of God. So it's very exciting. Um, and, kind of, and so some of you older Christians, I know you've, you've heard study series like a thousand times, but, but this will help you think, you know, uh, I, can I do better? Can I, can I do a greater job of really laying the scriptures on people's hearts? And I think if you apply this, you'll really, you'll grow through a lot. Uh, it definitely uh, changed the way I do Bible studies and still is uh, to this day. Um, it's a purpose of questions that really help, help, help get to the heart. I think it's so important as we, as we try to teach people, uh, you know, we're trying to disciple their hearts and they're not even going to believe and so we've got to be gentle. We've got to be respectful. I think in 2 Timothy 2 and all these other passages, we talk about how we've got to approach people with gentleness and respect. There shouldn't be anger. There shouldn't be tension. There shouldn't be uh, you know, you know, uh, a disrespectful, proud, arrogant approach. We, we've got to be humble. And I think, again, when we're asking questions, it gets off of us. And it gets more about God and them and the scriptures, um, which is very important. Um, and, and the whole the whole the whole approach is this what how why approach. It's, it's pretty simple. What you know, meaning your interpretation, uh, how is application and why uh, being a contemplation. Uh, and so we'll jump into that here as we close out here because we're running out of time. Starting our life on Friday nights here, which I'm going to um, The personal question wedge. Um, that's that's what's on your sheet there. Uh, it's all about this idea of interpretation, which is the what, application, uh, the how, um, and contemplation. Uh, which would be the why. Um, and so that, that that's really the meat of this idea of the purposeful question wedge. And of course it's a wedge because it kind of gets to a point. It comes to a point, you know, we're getting to the why, you know, of that particular passage. And so let's just really quickly here go through Matthew 6.33 um, and just think of some, you know, I'll give you some samples here. And then next time we're going to do a lot of this wrong. We're going to read a passage or two from the study and we're going to do it together. So tonight I want you to think, I want to teach you more, but next time I want you guys to do this. Uh, you can even do it before uh, the next class on your own with your, with your notebook. Uh, so Matthew 6, 33, seek versus kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Well, interpretation question could be, what does it mean to seek something first? So this is, this is simple. You're just kind of taking that statement and turning it into a question. So anybody can do this, right? Um, a great application question. How are you going to make God's kingdom the first priority in your life? And if they think they already have, well, they'll say, well, I already did. If they think they're not, they'll say, well, well, this is how they're doing. You'll see where we're right there, where they're at, you know, what they're thinking right now. And then contemplation, why do you want to take such steps for God? That's a really, that's a really revealing question about what they believe about God and what they believe, uh, you know, about their life. Uh, so that's just a simple example, simple example. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm flying through this here, but we're, we're running out of time. Um, with interpretation, it's really important that uh, Scripture... It cannot mean what it was never meant. So it, it, had, a, it had a meaning that was written. And, and, and interpretation is all about what was that meaning. It, we can't take it and change it into something that it was never meant to be. So that's why interpretation is very vital. Uh, and we're teaching you how to do that when we, when we approach it this way. And you got to begin with the there and then to get to the here and now. We like to kind of get to the here and now. But you got to always start uh, with, with, with the there and then. And interpretation questions are just that. Um, and so these are just some great examples, oops, um, of those interpretation questions um, from uh, Matthew 6. Let's kind of go back, sorry. Oh, dear. What did I do? What about new technology here? Um, yeah, there's a few uh, interpretation questions um, in addition to what we already talked about. Um, what is the kingdom of God to the ears of Jesus' hearers? What does it mean to you? Uh, what is righteousness to Jesus' audience? What does righteousness mean to you? What's the difference uh, between seeking his kingdom and seeking his kingdom first? That's a great, you know, that, that's a great question. That's often a challenge, right? We don't mind seeking his kingdom, but we don't necessarily want to seek it first. Um, so interpretation questions. Um, uh, next up, the application questions. So that's the, the what, not the how. I'm having established the meaning of the text, but it's now time to apply the principle of the text to a seeker's pursuit of God. Um, and so you want them to kind of make the scriptures real. Well, what would this mean for, for their life today by asking them questions to help them think, uh, you know, about just that? And here are a ton of them. Um, 
gave me the one that's going to do it quickly. Um, you know, how, how will tomorrow be different if we spend it seeking God's kingdom and righteousness first? What will your prayer life look like this week if you seek first his kingdom? What will your Bible study look like in the same way? Uh, describe your fellowship and worship this week if you seek first his kingdom. Uh, and notice that, that you, know, you, don't have to, you don't have to start every sentence with how, but how helps. Because it's just a good word to, to, to kind of be practical and applicable. It doesn't, these questions don't have to start the same word every time. It doesn't have to be what, how, why, all of them. Those are just you know, some key words. Um, and some of those, of course, don't start with how. Uh, and then lastly, the contemplation questions. Um, as I said, at this point, you know, the wedge comes to a sharp point. It probes deeper. These questions probe a little bit more deeper uh, into people's hearts based on a particular passage. Why? Why have you put God and his kingdom on the back burner while you have pursued your career? Because maybe they've shared about that at this point. Why does your boyfriend come first rather than God's kingdom? Why do you value academic success over spiritual success? And again, if we ask a lot of other questions, we're not being judgmental. They've already, they've already said that about themselves. Uh, and so now we're trying to help them think about why that is. Uh, again, as we go through uh, the what, the how, and the why, this is kind of what ultimately can happen. And so use those worksheets. There, 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 there's one for every study that we're going to go through. Um, you know, it, it's always good to plan. It's always good to consider the aim. Uh, you know, again, we're trying to get rid of uh, preconceptions and misconceptions uh, as we go through uh, the purposeful question worksheets. And so I would encourage you, the next class will be on the Word of God and Seeking God. I would encourage you to do the purposeful question worksheet before the class. If you do that ahead of time, it'll, it'll, it'll benefit greatly. I think, and a whole lot more from the class. You don't have to do that. It's not required. It's not like I'm going to check your books or something. But I'd encourage you to do that and start thinking this way and training your mind to think differently. Uh, Proverbs 22, 17 to 18 here as we close out. It says, pay attention. This is God speaking to us through the word. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all them ready on your lips. Um, so this idea that, that the Bible's never just meant for us. And the more we can get it in our, in our minds and our hearts, and the more we can be prepared with, with, with the scriptures in our minds and our hearts before we sit down with someone who's not a believer, uh, the, the more we can benefit from it, and the more they can benefit from it as well. Um, amen. So uh, prepare for class two. Appreciate everyone participating tonight. Uh, we will get more interactive as we go here. But I want to give you guys a good overview tonight. Uh, as I said, review the God the Gospel Studies. Uh, the next two, Seeking God and the Word of God. Uh, complete proof of question worksheet uh, on those two. Uh, and, and if you want to graduate from this course, you don't have to. But if you'd like to graduate, uh, we're going to have quizzes. Um, and the quizzes are going to be basically book, chapter, and what it basically says, multiple choice, by the way. So they're really quite simple. Uh, but I want to encourage you, as, as we just read in, in, in Proverbs, it's good to have the Word of God in your heart. It's good to have the Word of God in your mind. It's, it's wonderful when you're in a Bible study with somebody, and they say, yeah, but this, and yeah, but that. And you can go to the Scripture. Okay, well, let's look at this Scripture, because it's in your mind. It's in your heart. So memorize the Scripture is very valuable um, to do just that. Um, and so to, so to graduate, we've got to get 7 out of 10 on the quizzes. Um, and, uh, and our first quiz will be on the 10th of March. And it will be on conversion and personal questions, which we went through tonight. A few questions on that multiple choice. And then it will be on the seeking God and the Word of God scriptures that are in that in that section. There's a main section of scriptures uh, on that page. Uh, it will be over those scriptures. What, where, the book, the chapter, where they basically said. And of course, those are not you know, exhaustive scriptures. But that's what the quiz uh, will be. And I saw a hand. Uh, I'll take questions here in a second uh, for a few minutes. Um, and so my encouragement for you tonight is do something with this. Try to find a new friend, a new coworker, a new classmate to study the Bible with. Um, and if you're currently studying the Bible with our, with our church right now, we'll, we'll keep doing that with the people that you know that are sitting here in this room with you. And hopefully they'll they'll do a better job if they haven't been doing a good job. And this, this will improve them, and you'll you'll improve your faith as, as they share with you uh, the Word of God. And and again, if you want to. Um, uh, dive off the deep end here. Uh, go to Commonwealth Academy, CommonwealthAcademy.ca. That's at any time's uh, website, um, and you can go under uh, resources and classes, and you can find the whole discipleship course that Ed teaches. It's all videos of him, and Ed's brilliant. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm a freshman trying to do this. Ed is like, you know, he's the he's the PhD, you know, professor. He's he's amazing. Um, and so feel free to 
watch those videos too. And you just eat up as much as you can. Uh, questions uh, before we wrap it up here. Yes, our next meeting is not the 3rd of March. We don't have a meeting before Wednesday, correct? So our next meeting is the 10th of March, so therefore we will not be having a quiz on the 10th of March. Congratulations! <laughs> so I'm off the week. I'm off the week. Yeah, so our next, our next meeting will be the 10th of March because Wednesday we don't have church on that Friday night. Um, and because of that, the quiz will actually be the first weekend in April. We'll do Seeking God and Word of God. Well, do you see God of God? I, I, I guess we could discuss that. I think we did talk about that idea. We never. I thought we were just going to cancel it. What do you guys traditionally do? Do you have a second and third Friday congregation, or you just have one? There are five Fridays in March, so you could maybe do second and third. I would not. But then you have a quiz on March seventeenth. So just be aware. Of it. So we'll make a decision on that uh, soon. I'll let you guys know. But for now, just study seeking God, word of God. We'll have the next class on the third or the tenth on that. I'm sorry, the tenth or the seventeenth. And then we need to get that figured out anyway. I apologize. I forgot about that. Yes. Any other questions? Yeah, we'll cover Jesus in, the, in another with the discipleship. We'll look at the knowing Jesus study with the discipleship stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not sure that order. Yeah, we'll do the knowing Jesus study with the with discipleship. Any other questions? Thank you.